1: what is up nets fans welcome to a live edition of the brooklyn buzz i'm your host nick fay with me as always jack Manuel. jack how are we doing today
2: boy oh boy do i love nets content
1: <laughs> yes and we're dropping a lot you know yesterday we dropped the draft recap pod today we got a live rumor pod later in the week we'll drop a free agency preview so plenty of nets content plenty of nets rumors
2: always always mate and seems to me the nets are the talk of the town
1: Exactly. And that's what we love to hear. And if you want to check out any of the previous shows, like we mentioned, that draft recap pod with Dalton Pence, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTG NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube, pretty much everywhere. But Jack, what do you want to get into first today in terms of the latest Nets rumors? There's one big one. I think that's what you're going to pick.
2: Um, The Slim Reaper.
1: <laughs> yes this Lynlever KD rumors came out or reports from Brian Winhorse and Kendrick Perkins on the jump the nets are now the front runners for Kevin Durant obviously Perkins source is probably Kevin Durant or someone close to him so pretty exciting stuff considered what most people would say was a long shot at the beginning of the year now the front runner for Kevin Durant seems crazy doesn't seem like it's real life
2: yeah Brian windhorse also said that he's not the only person that has heard that as well so it's not just sources. Um, You know, obviously, Brian Wendell has his sources, obviously, within teams and such, uh, agents and the like. So uh, there is growing speculation, and it's positive for the Nets. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are a little bit 50-50 on the acquisition, obviously, with Kevin Durant being out for a large portion, if not all, of next season with the Achilles injury. But, you know, one of the top 10, top 15 players of all time. You can get him on your team. You do it. Um, And I mean... There's obviously rumors surrounding Tob- Tobias Harris that we'll talk about, too, um, and, and the life. But Kevin Durant, one of the best players, uh, I said on this pod probably just a, a week or so ago, he is the best player in the game. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard probably is right now, that he's the only, by default, the healthy one. Um, but Kevin Durant is a bona fide stud superstar, and pairing him with Kyrie Irving would be the best scenario and the, probably the best result we can hope for.
1: It'd be one of the best off seasons for any team to have, you know, in the last couple of years obviously the Lakers got LeBron, but you're not only getting the arguably the best player in the game, but you're getting Kyrie Irving, top 10, top 15 player too and you know KD, I get it, people will be scared, you know he's coming off a torn Achilles, but I do have a lot of confidence in the Nets performance team. And Then also Kevin Durant's, you know, will to be great, you know like you mentioned, he's an all-time great. Just being on the Nets, him and Kyrie is changing the perception of the franchise moving forward and it's a long-term change. It's not like, hey, you know this is only going to help the Nets short-term. When you have two players like that on your team your team is viewed differently for the next 10 years
2: yeah it literally changes the trajectory the perception of a franchise in a city where the new york knicks have a massive stranglehold you get two of the best players in the game two of the top three agents you mentioned nick the fact that it would be one of the best off seasons for any team the only way that it could get better would be kyrie and Kawhi, essentially you know, if you, and, and I mean, you can make, certainly make an argument that you come Durant. If he comes back, you know, he's probably one of the most best suited to come back from an Achilles injury out of all the guys to have suffered him, given his age, given his stature, given his health uh, and all the things surrounding that. Um, But I'm really, really excited about, about these rumors. Obviously we've still got, you know, eight days, seven, eight days to go. Luckily it's our school holidays back down here for us. So <laughs> I consume all the content, but, uh, do we want to address a few questions? we already got some ones bumping in the chat.
1: Yeah, just a quick thought on KD. And not only you mentioned just KD's personality being a great fit coming back, I think his skill set, you know, he doesn't depend highly on athleticism. It's just the skills he has as a seven-footer, the ball handling, the passing, and obviously an elite shooter, probably one of the best shooters at that size. You know, the only guy that comes to mind is Dirk. So I think uh, I'm pretty confident KD can come back really well, but let's jump into some questions.
2: So Aida SL has one. How do you guys feel about KD and Kari on the Nets?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm excited. I you know I'm sure people have some negative approaches about it. There's nothing that you can really tell me that would make me upset about it. Just getting two elite players like that. Obviously, there's going to be a waiting period for Kevin Durant. You know, most likely we won't see him next season. There's a slim chance, you know, slim reaper, slim chance that we see him possibly late in the season in the playoffs. Maybe we get lucky. If not, you know, you add one superstar and then the next year you're guaranteed to add another superstar. It's like you take one step forward and then you're taking another step forward guaranteed the next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily 100% confident that all of this is going to happen just yet. Um, Because in in the matter of days, like last week, I was speaking about how confident I was of Kevin Durant being a a New York Knicks. So, you know, things can change on a whim. So, uh, I mean, uh, hypothetically, feeling about Katie and Kyrie on the Nets, um, it would be, you know, nigh on a dream come true. For a guy who's you know, followed the Nets for, uh, for you know about five, six, seven years and hasn't had much success, obviously hasn't been able to support many sort of superstars and subs. We've had our sort of. Uh, You know, De'Ron Williams, we've had, you know, Brooke Lopez, a fan favorite, but to get one of the best players of a generation and one of the most talented, sizzling, most marketable players of a generation, um, obviously, I've made my thoughts on about Kyrie off the court, but he's hanging out in Japan, he's having a bit of fun, he's spending some time at Central Park, so... For now, he's doing his thing, and I respect that. But um, it would be, you know, one of the best, like you mentioned it, one of the best off-seasons ever. And, I mean, Nets fans it would sell out Barclays a nonstop. The merchandising opportunities would be insane. The ticket sales would go through the roof. The, the season ticket sales would be insane. Uh, and Barclays and Brooklyn would be pumping.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's not guaranteed yet. We're hoping it does happen, obviously. But the impact in marketing and just the impact on the Nets, you know, feel around the world, like they're becoming must-watch basketball because there's two of the top 15 players in the league on the same team. Like you mentioned, Barclays selling out every night, being in New York, the Nets would make a strong push into kind of trying to take over New York. It's not going to happen in one season. But if they were to win championships down the line, that'd be something that they possibly could do. So... It's huge on all fronts—short term, long term. You know, on the court, off the court, uh, money-wise, like whatever you want to
2: look at it. There's just so many positives that come with it. Selfishly, also, I think it could make the Brooklyn Buzz even more popular than it is. <laughs> and and for those that have stuck around since the early days, you know, it provides just so many opportunities for for Brooklyn supporters, Brooklyn podcasters, and the like. It just gives you a whole new allure because this is a star-driven league, and the Nets have had their sort of stars quoting quite obviously that billy king trade and the like and deron williams joe johnson you know diazor russell has turned into a star Karis LeVert, um but we're talking about here some of the best you know uh, championship winners you know mvp caliber players all nba caliber players the likes of the which the brooklyn nets have never had it, it really just changes the entire trajectory of a franchise um but, but if you had any more thoughts, Nick, we can we still got a couple more questions. Yeah, before. jump in the questions. I want
1: to hear the fans and listeners.
2: So uh, on Twitter, the popular NBDY, the popular nobody, why are so many leaks coming out regarding the Nets when when they have operated in a stealthy manner since they came in? Uh, also, is Kyrie really pushing this team to another level? So I guess we'll address that first one relating to the so-called leaks.
1: I do think the leaks are interesting. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. It seems like there's been more leaks since that point. One thing that stuck out was there was a leak on draft night that the Nets were trying to move the 31 pick, which is like, it just doesn't seem like that would happen right away. I mean, I guess other teams leaking. So it could just be other teams leaking information about the Nets and then agents and whatnot. I mean, I don't think you're going to get much pushback if someone says, hey, the Nets have interest in Kevin Durant or the Nets have interest in Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard, like every team has interest in them. So I think some of the leaks are kind of planned, but some of there might be a leak in the Nets that we don't know about. I heard someone say it's Jared Dudley, but I I don't
2: (laughs) don't think he knows that type of information, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, when it comes from guys like Pooch, when it comes from guys like Brian Lewis, you know, Nets beat writers, guys that are really plugged into what's happening into the the behind the scenes of the Brooklyn Nets. You sort of know that there's relationships there within the franchise with those sort of guys. You know, Pooch is, is known to be quite close with the players uh, and some of the younger guys. Uh, Whereas Brian Lewis, obviously, is is a longtime beat writer. So when that's sort of happening, when we sort of see, you know, the Kyrie Irving sort of thing, they want to change tack. There's speculation on whether the Nets want to just go for Kyrie without a second free agent. You know, I take that with some real sort of credence in comparison to some random burner accounts on Twitter or Stephen A. Smith. These guys are plugged into what happens into the Brooklyn Nets. And yes, I guess that to an extent, it, it can be frustrating. But for me, we were speaking about last season and have probably spoken about for two years with the Brooklyn Buzz, how frustrating it can be as sort of Nets reporters, quote unquote, um, that we don't get to speak about things that are leaking or, or injury sort of stuff. So, I mean, it's just you, you take it what you want with a grain of salt. So, I mean, it, I think the leaks aren't necessarily harmful. Um, you know, there can be a, a version of of leaks. Leaks seems to have a negative connotation to it, but uh, it gives the fans a better perspective of, of what's sort of happening. So, I mean, for us, it, it just allows us to to produce some more content. So, I mean, I'm not hating it. I'm just hoping it doesn't necessarily uh, fracture the organization, which I don't think it does.
1: Yeah, I don't think it does unless you're getting leaks on like negative side, which really hasn't happened and just more pessimistic type stuff. And you mentioned Lewis and, uh, you know, Pooch. Obviously, the Nets know who those guys are and they could be leaking to those two specifically because of, you know, they know the relationship with the fans and how it's going to be perceived and kind of getting a feel for what's out there. So, I mean, it's an interesting thing and I'm sure we'll discuss it more, especially if a lot of things come true.
2: Yeah, and we've got two Kyrie questions. Obviously, the second part of uh, the popular nobody on Twitter's question and also the homie Jorge, he's going to heat host. How do you feel about bringing Kyrie Irving aboard? So I guess uh, we'll change tack and speak a little bit about uh, Kyrie Irving.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm more on the positive and optimistic side of Kyrie because I think I look at it from more of an objective perception where, hey, I'm not emotionally into tied to D'Angelo Russell as much and Kyrie's a better player, like, I know Kyrie's a better player. I don't even know if D'Angelo Russell ever gets to the level Kyrie Irving's at. You know, I think we'd agree that he's a top three-point guard. And if you want to make an argument, the lowest you're really putting him is top five. And he has that superstar ability to take over a game and really take over a quarter. And, when you know, we've seen D'Angelo do it, but we would also seen Kyrie do it on the big stage and get some of the best with teams keyed on him. You know, we've seen him in the finals with Klay Thompson locked up on him, and he's had gone to work on him for four straight games and coming back from a 3-1 deficit in the finals. So, I feel good about Kyrie. Obviously, there's some scare with the locker room and the chemistry and all that. But I think the Nets have a real confidence in their culture and not from just the front office, but for the coaching staff and the other players around that things will be able to stay positive. And a lot of the negative stuff you saw about Kyrie it was a connection to his relationship with, you know, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and possibly some of the other players. So the Nets probably feel confident they can have a better relationship with Kyrie. And they've been so player centric.
2: And it seems to be the city of Boston as well. Jackie McMullen on a recent pod sort of said that he was getting tired of actually living in Boston. And I mean, as a city, um, I, I'm not going to make any sort of... I've never been to Boston. <laughs> I hear it's a lovely city. But for a lot of guys, you know the, the, it sort of hasn't been a free agency destination as much as they want to say. Um, and, and I think Kyrie wants to live in New York. It seems to me... That is very likely in in some way or another, and you know when you're living in a in a place where you love, uh, it, it changes everything. We, where you love, where you work, you love where you live. It's certainly going to help things. Hopefully, uh, this year's postseason was more of an aberration because you know I know that there's a lot of people talking about you know Kyrie Irving by himself can he lead an organization? I certainly don't think he can lead you to significant postseason success. Um, but maybe last year was a sort of turning point and and a real sort of learning moment for him but um, Bobby Marks on his pod Nick we were sort of chatting about a little bit in the DMs over the last few days uh, brought up the fact and I'll I'll pose this question to you is Kyrie Irving just Deron Williams 2.0 I don't think so
1: I mean I heard that too and it just seems like yeah uh, Darren Williams just was really like I'm not gonna say Kyrie's not a head case because there's question marks about what he said off the court but like Darren Williams, like whole attitude, it, it was a lack of confidence. Where I think Kyrie, if anything, you want to say he's overconfident. Where Darren Williams, like he lost his confidence, he had all those injuries and just things went really sour, and then he just wanted out and then he ended up staying. I don't think so. I mean, like you there fair case to make the argument, but you know, Darren Williams never necessarily played amazing basketball in Brooklyn. His, you know, one season when he was with New Jersey Nets, it was good. Then with the Brooklyn Nets, he had a good half a year. And then after they got the KG and Pierce thing, they surrounded him with talent and he was really bad. Like he had zero points in a playoff game. They wanted him to be the best player. Pierce was calling for him to be a dark horse MVP. And Pierce and Garnett said, hey, you know, Darren just didn't want it. Like he didn't want to be the leader. He didn't want to be the lion. We know Kyrie If anything. It's the opposite for him. He's just a little overconfident and he wants to have those big moments. And he's already had those big moments.
2: Yeah, we got Ray Marante obviously on Team Kyrie as well. So he says, "Sorry, Kyrie is a six-time All Star, all All NBA Second Team behind Curry." D'Lo was only an All Star due to Victor Oladipo getting hurt. Facts are facts. I mean, um, I, I mean, it's a really sort of hard thing to compare to Anza, Russell and Kyrie Irving, But I guess that's sort of attack we need to take. And I think the the major question that I got um, from that same podcast, and there was a lot of discussion, and it's nice to hear some you know, um, broad media speaking about the on Nets because it makes you think about it a little more when these, you know, sort of experts are talking about it. Is D-Lo worth the extra six, $8 million that comes with the extra baggage that we sort of spoke about off the court, possible chemistry issues uh, and that sort of thing? Obviously, you know, we've seen these little things come out where Kyrie like went to um, Brad Simmons' is like, what does the word government mean to you? And I'm just like, oh, I hope he doesn't do that to Kenny. I'd be interested to see what Kenny would say. Well, like, I think <laughs> we said, the, I think said like, the same thing. Like 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 what,
1: but it's uh, it's a conversation.
2: I honestly think he would say the same thing as what Brad Stevens said. Yeah, um, where he was, just, he just deflected. He's like, "What does it mean to you?" And I'm just like. Because obviously a lot of people think, and I I can't remember who it was that said it, um, they're sort of calling, you know, no, it was Chris Maddox, obviously a known uh, Celtics beat writer who calls Kenny Atkinson and and the Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics slight. But um, that dude is clearly just salty. But um, I interrupted you, Nick. What were your thoughts on the sort of comparisons?
1: Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's just I just think like it's just a lot of comparisons. And, you know, there's obviously some questions and then obviously it's six million more. But like we talked about on prior shows, like Kyrie gives you just a little bit more pop as a team. It makes you more attractive for free agents. It also makes you more attractive in trades. Like if there's a big star who demands a trade, hey, then that's almost a guarantee to be on that list now because they already have one of these top 15, top 10 players in the league. And that just makes you a bigger draw. So and I talked about it. I think if you can upgrade, you upgrade. And, you know, people are like, oh, but they need a power forward. But like we've talked about, the way you get yourself in trouble is when you overpay for players that don't deserve the money. So if you need a power forward and you're maxing out Tobias Harris and you know he's not a max player, now you're in trouble because no one's going to take that contract. Like, hypothetically, if they had to trade Kyrie down the line, his contract is movable, or they re- ended up re-signing D'Angelo and signing Kyrie, one of those contracts is movable. So I, I'm all for Kyrie, and I think it's worth the 6000000 million. I've already fully pretty much bought in, as you know.
2: Yeah, I'm, I know you're 100% in. I'm, I'm pretty in. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitantly in. I'm, I'm dipping my feet in the water. It's a little bit cold right now, but it'll, I'll warm up. I'll warm up. Um, <laughs> as soon as we Lowe, get to
1: a Kyrie Irving jersey.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but then he'll probably leave like <laughs> D'Angelo has. All, all three of my t-shirt jerseys. I'm going to keep bringing that up. Zach Lai also posed the thought more on D'Angelo Russell. Uh in terms of like his ceiling and uh, he was sort of like, did D load like get better last season or did he just make more floaters? That was literally a quote from him. Um he's been saying know, that for a while too. And, and I mean, I get it to an extent because D'Angelo doesn't have as versatile and as uh a, 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 as well rounded as an offensive game as a guy like Kyrie Ovi does. He's you know, he's proven over you know seasons and seasons that he has a bag of tricks. And we've seen it this season that D'Angelo has a bag of tricks. Uh, obviously, when he is given full reign into the offense, and he's the number one sort of guy, you know, he can hit floaters left, right, and center. Uh, he's outside and, and mid-range game is sensation obviously Kyrie Irving is uh, much more adept around the rim um, whereas Kyrie Irving can do all those three other things that D'Angelo can sort of do I think D'Angelo might have a little bit better of a floater and D'Angelo is a better passer um, but Kyrie did improve a little bit on that and I would say Kyrie Irving is a slightly better defender and in the right of defensive scheme which Boston certainly have uh, but in in Brooklyn obviously our defensive schemes with the zone and such I don't know how that benefits Kyrie um and obviously, we need to get some pieces around him. Um, But James the Flatbush thinks D'Lo still has a higher ceiling. What do you think?
1: I think with uh, D'Angelo's like ceiling, I mean, I will just to touch on the point. I think both things could be true. Did he make more shots? Yep. Yes, but that's because he got better. Like you work on making shots more. You hit contested shots when you're practicing. You see what he does in the off season. He doesn't work on you know just st- standing still, catch and shoot. So I think both can be true. He can definitely get better. But I don't know, like, can D'Angelo Russell be a top three point guard in the NBA? I don't know. It just doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to happen. The efficiency is the scariest thing. Like, we know we can put up stats, we know we can put up this, but can he shoot a good percentage from the field? Can he shoot a better percentage from three? And then, obviously, we've discussed this a lot, and this is kind of the biggest unknown. Like, is he going to be able to add enough, some, enough muscle, add to his athletic ability a little bit so he can finish inside and get to the free throw line? And that's a major difference for Kyrie. Like you mentioned, he can get to the rim. He doesn't necessarily play above the rim but under the rim he's one of the best driving scorers in the league so it's just like I'm not sure I don't necessarily think D'Angelo Russell's ceiling is higher than what Kyrie Irving's at if anything it's where Kyrie-
2: yeah I, I think at.
1: that's like, a good being the best point guard.
2: yeah go ahead yeah I'm sorry, I, I, just I think that it's probably at the same sort of point, like you sort of mentioning. I think it's it probably scrapes where D'N'z D'N'z Russell's ceiling is probably maybe a little bit under where Kyrie Irving is. That that's just a, a personal sort of viewpoint because we've seen what Kyrie can do for you know, an extended period of time. Whereas we've seen flashes and then a full season of it from D'Angelo Russell. So, I mean, it's just one sort of thing that sort of makes you think about what would D'Angelo Russell do? And I think for D'Angelo Russell, situation is incredibly important. So, were were he to go to Minnesota, Los Angeles, Phoenix, which is less likely now with their sort of cap situation, um, those obviously are the two sort of main front runners outside of the Brooklyn Nets right now um will he thrive as much and, and i think he probably would obviously with minnesota with a pick and roll guy like carl anthony towns that would be absolutely sensational and minnesota would probably become my second favorite team uh, and then obviously you talk about the los angeles lakers they're never going to be my second favorite team but they had my second favorite player in lebron james um i, I see that as unlikely and i, and I mean if you're going to throw a massive off sheet and yet but DeAndre russell seems to have expressed sort of interest in heading back there so i mean we can have a general d'angelo russell sort of talk there because there's plenty of stuff around him and i know that we have a lot of uh, crazy d'angelo russell fans crazy in a good way because i'm a crazy d'angelo russell fan myself but um where where do you see his situation obviously Uh, Every time I see him posting something on Instagram with his dogs, I'm just like, oh, my God, I love this guy. His heart is so pure. (laughs) He does post a lot of dog Instagram snaps. I love it. He was uh, was practicing at the Brooklyn Nets training facility with his dog. Like, how can you not love him?
1: Yes, I mean, that's really cool. And then you see him working on his game. I mean, I'm not going to say he looks bad. And if the Nets ended up re-signing him, I wouldn't be disappointed. Like, I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't know if he's going to get to that level. And in terms of locations, he could go. I think there's a big list. Like, he's a really interesting player, especially for a team that doesn't necessarily attract the top stars. Like, you're not attracting a superstar. You invest in this young guy that's, a you know, an all-star level player. Hey, you know, he could turn into a, you know, get to another level or take your team to another level. Or if you just can't attract players, it works out. You know, I really like to fit with the Pacers. It wouldn't surprise me when to the Lakers. I think it's unlikely. I would probably say the Clippers is more likely than that. There's been some mentions of Boston. You mentioned Phoenix, their cap situation. They could technically still make it happen, I believe. It would just need to, you know, they need to do some work. And then Minnesota would have to do a lot of work to make it happen. And then, you know, we've mentioned Orlando before. So I think there's going to be a lot of suitors interested in D'Angelo Russell. And I don't see why they wouldn't be a 23-year-old that's an all-star level player that can improve more.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that there's a lot of sort of stuff. Um, surrounding sort of D'Angelo. And there was this quote that sort of stuck out to me, and it was a post on NetZalian via uh, a Brian Lewis article, um, sort of saying that he wants to stay in Brooklyn, telling that the post that he wants to be a net for life. Uh, if we're being completely honest, I enjoyed the team that we had this whole season. Um, Russell told the post via phone from Spain. Obviously, he's been back in New York for a couple of days now. Um, he clearly loves the city. And he clearly just wants what's best for him. And it, it's nice to sort of see the, the, this guy still fully embracing New York and, and embracing – we've seen the the workout videos with him in those pretty yellow shorts, um, <laughs> getting getting everyone the hype. A lot of people are saying, well, where's Kyrie's videos? And it's just like, all right. Go.
1: It's okay, guys. Like, not everybody posts their training videos. It's not required.
2: <laughs> Let's just chill. I mean, Carol LeVert was, was in the training facility saying um, hello to our dude uh, Nicholas Claxton as well. Um, but – I mean, DeAndre Russell as a Brooklyn, I, I think my my thoughts still remain, and I'm probably I'm changing tack towards UNIC in, in in relation to Kyrie Irving, but I, I, I think I posted a tweet like a, a week or so ago where it's just like, it's seeming more and more likely that, you know, the Nets get Kyrie and, and let Delo go. And as much as that excites me, it also makes me incredibly sad. Just as a fan, like looking at it subjectively, because you feel, and, and, and I've sp- we've spoken about this before, you just feel invested in a lot of these guys' growth. And I think DeAngelo Russell and Carol LeVert are the prime examples of that. For you, it's Carol Silvert. For me, it's probably a little bit more DeAngelo Russell. I don't know why stylistically certain guys speak to us. Obviously, Joe Harris as well, but that's a question discussion for another day. But DeAndre Russell's rise and growth as a a player and a person, seeing behind the scenes videos of him sort of leading the charge, and you know the, the him warming to the veterans and the veterans warming to him, um, it, it's just something where I think that wherever he goes, I wish him well, and, and I think he's going to be successful. I don't think he's earned any sort of naysays, And if anything, the naysays that he had at the start of the season it's just like, well, what's D'Angelo going to do? All that, all the sort of haters that he had, he's turned them around. And I think that's a credit to him. And um, whether we keep him, whether we don't, um, D'Angelo Russell is going to be a successful NBA player and a successful person because um, he's doing his thing, and, and I respect it.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny that all the teams that are trying to get him now during the season were like, oh, D'Angelo Russell, the Nets are going to max him. That's not going to work out now. They want their team to do it. But you mentioned, like, just enjoying him as a fan, seeing him grow is not only a player, but off the court, the leadership quality. You know, we've seen him from 21 to 23. That's a pretty big jump in your life. And like you said, I have no negative, you no know, uh, feelings towards him at all. I wish him the best and I'm going to root for him wherever he goes.
2: where. You love doing the percentage thing. I'm going to throw it back at you. What percentage (laughs) is D'Lo likely to be a Brooklyn net next season? Oh
1: man, that's tough. Uh, I'm not doing it like math wise because I've already put percentages out for other stuff. So I'm (laughs) just doing it straight up. Like I'll give it like a 20% chance, one in five chance. Like if the nets strike out or maybe if they just decide they want to do Kyrie and D'Lo or something, they'll do that. But I don't think it's very likely. What about you?
2: Uh yeah, I'll go eighteen percent. I'm doing the Prices Right sort of thing. I'll go a little bit <laughs> lower than you. Um, it's uh, the, it's it's purely just related to, to the Kyrie Irving speculation and and everything that's coming out around him. So I think that he is most likely to be the Brooklyn Nets' leading point guard. Um, and it seems more and more unlikely that the they'll be uh, keeping the two, despite you know early sort of rumblings. So you can't, I mean, a lot can happen in, in, in seven days, you know, it, who knows where we could be looking at this entire situation. We could see Kyrie Irving completely think that like, you know, New York could be underwater in the space of five years. He's like, I ain't about that life. I'm going to go to LA. But then it's the same sort of thing. And he just decides to go haul up in, in Portland because he just has one of his random weird third eye sort of thoughts. Who knows? Um, obviously, you know, D'Angelo Russell is more than likely gone. Um, but we've got a question about uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Nick. Do we want to address that one?
1: Yeah, we love Rondé, obviously. I an appreciation over here.
2: SSV, homie, uh, the homie, has thoughts on uh, Rondé being God. We haven't really talked about Rondé, and I think we'd, we'd, he deserves a bit of chat on the buzz.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he was actually like a crucial part for helping them get to this level. And I say that about Alan Crabb, too, because even the seasons that they didn't necessarily hit the win total they wanted, there was still progress and it helped the Nets gain more respect. And I think Rondé did a lot of things that you liked. You know, he improved his game a lot. You know, last season was a real struggle. But the year before that, he went from being a 0% offensive player to having a little post game, able to drive, get to the free throw line. We talked about his and ones that year. I love Rondé. I love what he can do. He just wasn't a really good fit in the net system. He probably needs to either go to a team where he can play a small ball five or play next to a stretch five.
2: Yeah, and I think Zach Lowe brought up that he could be a really nice pickup as a sort of fallback for a lot of different teams because of his... He could be just a purely sort of defensive... <clears throat> a purely sort of defensive sort of specialist. You know, a guy that can switch through a lot of different positions. And I think that if he's, he's on the right team, I think he can get something out of him. Um, and I think that... Despite the fact that he doesn't have a, a, a long-term history uh, with the Nets, I think you can have a long-term history within this league. You know, there's just guys that just fit in the NBA. Despite the fact that Rondo doesn't have a, a, a shot, he's got some offensive moves, he's got some speed, he's got some defensive acumen. Um, so I think that you know he's proven he proved to us this season. You know that obviously that Kings game and then some real uh, masterful defensive performances. You know, if I were a, an opposing GM and I was looking to sort of fill out my roster. You know, sort of six, seven, eight, nine on 10th guy off the bench. Um, Ronald Jefferson would be a, a, a perfect sort of guy, a great teammate. Um, guys in, in the chat are saying one of our best dancers. Um, <laughs> it's going to be sad to see him go. That, that meme and that video will live on forever. It, it's wonderful seeing that video, by the way, turn into a meme and life of its own.
1: Yeah, it really has. I mean, it gives him that some extra pop too. And I think just touching on Ronda even more, just the energy and positive energy he brings to a team, even when he wasn't playing and all of his teammates loving him, he'll have a role in the NBA. And just even if that's just an energy guy, like he is a guy who can come off the bench, give you a spark, like you mentioned, defensively, get out in transition, okay, rebounder for his size. And I think there's a couple teams that probably think they could maybe get a little bit more out of him. If he ever developed any type of reliable jump shot, his value in the league would jump up dramatically.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, James of Flatbush has jumped in. Uh, Nick, he, he's one to throw at you. If we keep D-low, do you think we could trade for Devin Booker?
1: No. I think the Suns, even if you threw the Suns an amazing trade, they just wouldn't trade Devin Booker because they don't know. I, don't,
2: I do. think you don't need to throw them an amazing trade. I think you need to throw them Rondé Hall, Jeffers, and I'm, I just really don't have uh, very high thoughts on their ownership in front office. That's what but I'm, I'm saying. saying-
1: yeah, no, I agree. But I'm saying it like in the sense that like they're just not going to trade Devin Booker. Even if it made sense, they wouldn't trade him. Like they just don't know what they're doing. Like they they pretty much went two ways on draft night. And I think if you're the Suns, like you have no confidence you're ever going to get a player like Devin Booker again. He's very young. I think, what is he still like 22? And like you just got to keep him. So I would put it highly unlikely. I would put more. I'd say the Nets have a better chance of acquiring Carl Anthony Towns than they would Devin Booker.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a fair call. Um, I remember like during the season doing like polls on like who would you rather have as like a, a backcourt mate for DeAndre Russell, Booker, or LeVert, that almost exploded next Twitter. But that was a fun couple of days. Um, but Nick, with any other sort of rumblings and thoughts you wanted to suggest before we move on to that our uh, free agency pod that'll be dropping soon?
1: Uh yeah, I think just Chris Carter mentioned on uh, whatever show he's on that the Nets will be one of the teams that get a meeting with Kawhi Leonard, and there was only uh, I believe four teams. It was the Nets. Uh, the Knicks, the Raptors, and the Clippers, and possibly the Lakers.
2: I mean, it, it seems likely that those are the teams. I saw um, in a Bleacher Report notification when I woke up that you know, super fan Nav of Toronto and and some other guys are sort of saying, "Let let leave Kawhi alone. Let him do his sort of thing. Sort of like the, the Brittany, Leave him alone." Sort of. <laughs> thing, you know? um, uh, I think Kawhi is going to. For me, it's more likely that he stays in Toronto. Um, I think I'm going to be talking about hopefully on JBT if, if Nick uh, happens to be free. Um, the fact that, you know, his daughter has enrolled uh, they've enrolled his daughter at a school in Toronto. Read into that what you will. Obviously, LeBron James did that, the, the same sort of thing with his kids um, when the the speculation around his free agency was, was wild. So, I mean, you put two and two together, maybe it's likely that that happens. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, there's... Actually, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, Nick, um, in related to, to the Kyrie Irving news, I remember seeing somewhere, it might have even been Nets Daily, that Spencer Dimity apparently has had a strong sort of communication ties with Kyrie Irving throughout. What, when you saw that, um, what did you uh, necessarily think? I found
1: it interesting. I mean, Spencer, I think uh, Alex Kennedy, an NBA writer, had him on for a podcast, and he mentioned he would definitely recruit guys to Brooklyn. And he was doing that. I don't know if it says anything about his relationship with D'Angelo Russell. You know, Dinwiddie's a pretty smart guy. He probably had a feeling that if Kyrie was coming, D'Angelo was leaving. But at the end of the day, you're trying to win. And if you're a player and you think he's better than D'Angelo, you're going to try to recruit him.
2: Yeah. And I I think that maybe personality-wise, they just vibe a bit more. I mean, I don't think think Spencer and D'Lo don't get on. Um, I think that on the court, um, the fit was average at best. Um, but had some nice moments, but then it also had some pretty poor moments too. Um, Who knows? Uh, Maybe that bodes well in the fact that, you know, you're talking about relationships within the locker room. You know, you have a Spencer Dibwini type that sort of bridges the gap to the younger blokes like Jared Allen, because Spencer Dinwiddie is that sort of nice go-between sort of guy. Whereas, in Boston, what there was there a go-between sort of person? No, and I mean we shouldn't necessarily have, be having to speak about you know locker room dynamics uh, when it comes to to this sort of thing. But it, I think that if anything, it, it bodes well in the fact that Spencer Dimwini, you know, one of the best six men in the league, one of the best point guards coming off the bench, if not the best, and you know a, a near all star talent, is having um, these sort of chats with the Kyrie And I think that intellectually, you know, they're sort of both different sort of thinkers, you know, and Spencer Dillard I think is uh, more legitimately intelligent than, than a guy like Kyrie Irving than sort of that faux intelligence where it's just like, you know, you look on Instagram and watch YouTube conspiracy videos. <laughs> Whereas I think Spencer like dominated his SATs or whatever. I have no idea what those are, by the way. I just know that like <laughs> isn't it, like fourteen hundred like a good score or something.
1: Yeah, they like change the scoring around on them too once in what a while, a... like every couple of years. So yeah, he know he, he's smart. I think what the Nets refer to him as like Google or something because he knows the answer <laughs> to everything. But uh, I found that interesting. And then you would assume just because Kyrie signed with Rock Nation, Levert's part of Rock Nation, they had a conversation at some point. So if he's coming in, he already has a connection with Kyrie. I mean. With uh, Dinwiddie and Lavert, you know, two of the best players in the team, I think that only bodes well. And a lot of guys that are going to be coming in, like we're, we're talking about on the free agency pod, the Nets are going to lose probably a lot of players. So there's going to be some turnaround. And there's a chance they could bring in guys that have already had a past relationship with Kyrie or somebody they know get along well with him to kind of help keep the locker room nice.
2: And in that sense, Nick, in terms of sort of creating that sort of cap space, because they're still a little bit away from offering those two super, like sort of super maxes. Obviously, Durant, if he were to sign, would get 38%, I believe. And I believe Kyrie would get about 34% or 35%. Um, there was the most despondent trade rumor I've ever seen in the history of Twitter going around the fact that uh, we should trade Joe Harris. I get it. I was having conversations and I understand it. Um, in terms of getting another asset back, and a lot of teams would want him, but um, we can't trade Joe Harris, can we, Nick?
1: I honestly think it would be kind of a poor move because Joe Harris is a perfect player to complement an elite player like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant because of the spacing he provides. The only way, like, I would be more open to because the money amount that they need to get to is like I want to say like one point two or one point three million. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen him play yet, but I'd rather move Musa in the situation and keep Joe Harris obviously the scare with joe harris says he's a free agent after the season you might not be able to retain him so maybe you try to get an asset but you definitely need shooting in this offense so it'd be pretty big to trade your best you know your best shooter on the team just to get some extra cap space but if they did trade joe harris they'd open up cap space to sign katie and kyrie and then even have a little money left over to sign possibly another role player
2: yeah unless you are getting jj reddick in the offseason which you know has been linked to the book and that's obviously JJ Redick. And Kyrie Irving do have an established relationship with the being the Duke alumni. They've appeared, I, I believe Kyrie's appeared on his pod as well. So unless we were to get JJ ready for a season and go all in on, on sort of contending, then keep Joe. But I would love to keep both of those, by the way. You would have two of the best three-point shooters in of the past couple of years. And I mean, I get the sort of losing Joe Harris in free agency or whatever, but... At the same time, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the case because, yes, another team might throw a little bit of money at him, but Joe Harris has an established relationship with the franchise. And, yes, obviously, it could go a lo sort of way where it's just like we let him go because we get J.J. Reddick and, and Danny Green. But if we were to get him and keep him, I think he would take unders to stay with the book, on that's at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue he took Unders the first contract he signed because I think there was rumblings that teams offered him more and he decided to stay with the Nets. And obviously, things are going really well for him. And if you ever listen to Joe Harris on a podcast, I think he was on Zach Lowe's this year. You know, he seems to really like Brooklyn, really like living in the city.
2: Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't? Um, And who wouldn't want to, you know, keep Joey Buckets around? But I think the final thing we should touch on a little bit, Nick, is the the Tobias Harris sort of of been like the rumor upon the top of the other rumors that were sort of spoken Mm -hmm. about.
1: Yeah, and that was that if the Nets don't get uh, Kyrie and KD, they're going to look to get Kyrie and Tobias Harris. Obviously, you'd probably uh, slip Kawhi in there, but the Nets probably aren't super confident getting Kawhi, so maybe this is the backup plan. You know, we talked about it. We've never really been opposed to acquiring Tobias Harris. It's more so how much money are you
2: acquiring him for. Exactly. You can't offer him uh, a four-year max. I I don't think... And, I mean, if you're Philadelphia, I think he is more valuable to you than he would be to a Brooklyn Nets organization. And it seems silly to say that because Tobias Harrison on the sort of draft show that he was sort of doing with the Yahoo Sports was sort of saying, you know, he's prioritized more than anything. How a team sort of plays, ball movement, ball moving around, all that sort of thing. And everyone was just like, hmm, this seems a lot like the Brooklyn Nets. And it <laughs> yeah. does. It was essentially just like he's saying, I want to be on the Brooklyn Nets um, in a really you know, sort of underground sort of fashion. Um, but I, I agree. I think Tobias Harris for the right number would be sensational. If we were to get in for like four years, $100 million or something like that, I would be like, oh boy, oh boy. I'd be like, I'd be jumping for joy because I think if you get him for the right number, it almost works as good as getting Kevin Durant for the max number because you, you, you weigh all those sort of things up because I think money and cap situation that has a real sort of effect on how you build the team going forward and how you get other pieces in. And I mean, yes, you would love to have Kyrie and KD, but there's not a lot of wiggle room and flexibility to grow as a team beyond those two sort of guys. It's sort of embedded within them. And if you had Tobias Harris on a decent sort of deal, I mean, the, the guy, I don't know if he loves going to different teams, but he has been on a lot of other teams and he's incredibly effective in his role. Uh, and he'd be obviously incredibly effective on whatever team he would uh, especially be. But especially on the Brooklyn Nets, I think he'd be um, an insane sort of guy.
1: And you mentioned, you know, depending on the number amount of you, it's just hypothetically the 100 million four years. And you keep them in a locked in 25 million for the next four years. That's really good because the cap's going to continue to ascend. It might only be a million or two per year. But then also, you have another 11 million possibly left in cap space that you could spend if you get to that max number because obviously 32 plus 25, you're only at 57, and the max space they can get is 68. So then, boom, you've got 11 million you get a good player for $11 million. And then you're still going to have the room exception, which you could probably sign a bench player with. So, I mean, there's a possibility, and someone might argue that you could build a better team that way. It'd be interesting. Obviously, the Tobias thing is all about the number. And then also, I think if you get Tobias, you got to view him as your third option. Then you're, you're praying that maybe Karis avert becomes your second option because I just don't think Tobias, is, Tobias Harris is aggressive enough to be a number two or one option on a team.
2: No, I don't think he is either. I think it, it depends on his fit, but obviously in Los Angeles – People look too much to <clears throat> recent history into his sort of postseason semi woes. He wasn't great. He wasn't. He was pretty average. Let's put it that way. He was quiet. That's what it was. Yeah, he was quiet. But he was awesome in Los Angeles, and he was mm-hmm. awesome in, in all these other ventures and all these other teams. So I think he'd be a great regular season player, and he hasn't had the chance to necessarily prove himself as a a better sort of piece within a system that fits him better. Which I think Brooklyn Brooklyn would be a better basketball situation for him. But a better money situation for him and a better winning situation would probably be the Sixth. I think they're going to be one of the top teams. But a final question we can't uh, not address D Rock. He's, he's jumped into the questions, jumped into the chat. Question for the host What is the absolute best case scenario for us? And what's the most realistic and plausible? It's a really good one. Yeah, it is. And D Rock, I just sent out your
1: t shirt today. So hopefully you get that. Oh, yeah. you will be rocking the
2: Brooklyn. Flash off the glass.
1: Yes. I mean, if I'm being, you know, ira- you know, a little bit um, impatient, I think the best case scenario is signing Kyrie Irving and Kawhi Leonard. You know, Kawhi's healthy. The East is still pretty open. You know, and then maybe you're getting some bench guys to sign with some of the money you have. Nets also have that $15 million trade exception, which they got in uh, the Torian Prince deal. So um, there's a real possibility they could bring in another player, too. I think you get Kyrie and Kawhi, and then you bring in a, you know one or two different different role guys. Now you still have Spencer Dinwiddie. You still have Kara LeVert. You still have Joe Harris. You still have Jared Allen. You still have Rodion. You still have Torian Prince. You have Nick Claxton, who we talked about yesterday. I think you're in a really good position, and you just fill it out with some fo- solid winners. I think that's best case. The Nets are contending for an NBA championship next season.
2: Yeah, for me, I, I agree. Uh, I think it's Kyrie, Kawhi, and Danny Green slash JJ Reddick, one of those really, really good sort of guys, role players that can perform in the postseason. Uh, the most realistic and plausible seems to me that it's Kyrie Irving and pieces, um, though it's growing more and more realistic that we do get Kevin Durant as well. Um, so, you know, by the time we do another buzz, this could be the most realistic situation is that we, we get those two. But it seems to me the most realistic is Kyrie and guys around that D'Angelo Russell might have to unfortunately leave. Um, But there's so many different situations um, that it's so hard to analyze what is the most realistic. It's a lot easier to to analyze what's the best case and worst case. Um, But (laughs) you can't necessarily predict realistic and, and realism in this crazy nutty league.
1: And a player could come available that we do not know is going to become available. That's the one thing I always think about is guys go on the block that you never expect to be on the block or all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going to make this move or a move that you didn't really thought, think made sense or maybe your team's going all in. Maybe the Nets get two stars and then they use that trade exception, pair it with some future picks and some of the guys they have on the roster, they add a third star. Like there's a lot of scenarios we could never cover anything unless we stayed on for 24 hours straight. I even think the, a real, the best realistic scenario seems like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That seems like the most realistic one. Kawhi seems like how Kevin Durant seemed earlier in the year because of obviously winning in Toronto and then the ties to the Clippers. But the Nets have been hanging around in that conversation long enough where you have to have a little type of hope.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that um, any, it can change on a whim. And, and it's such a... Such a really interesting scenario to sort of be in as a Brooklyn Nets fan and, and a Brooklyn Nets podcaster. Um, but there's it's just so many different scenarios. So um, but thanks to every single person who's jumped into the chat, asked questions and had some discussions. We could do this for a long time, but uh, it's Saturday night and uh, Nick better give some time to his girlfriend or he ain't going to have a fiance no more.
1: Yeah, I do want to get one more thing. So I just wanted to get in the quote from uh, Sean Marks. I definitely don't think it's skipping steps. You have a good group of young guys coming up that approve the league that they're NBA players. This was a question that Marks received at the draft uh, press conference. What did you think about this, Jack? Because it's a different field than some of the responses we've heard from him in the past.
2: Marks has something up his sleeve. Shawnee Boy S&M has something up his <laughs> sleeve. Boy, I love
1: that. Put that on a t shirt. T-
2: <laughs> t- you got like Sean Marks with a thumbs up or something. Um, he's got something up his sleeve. I mean, uh, Flatbush and Atlantic hit us up because uh, we need to get some money for that one. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to me that, yes, I, I think that as a general manager and, and as any sort of you know NBA higher up. You need to be open to whatever the market is dictating, whatever you know, the players are available, and you need to do every single way to make your team better. Um, we're not the Phoenix Suns, and we're not going to do everything to make our team worse <laughs> um, and to and to feed the e- the ego of our owner. Back in the day, maybe that would have been the case when Mikhail Brookert had just bought the team, but for now, it's Sean Marks' team as uh, a front office front office uh, organization, and he's going to do everything to make it better be through mini trades in the draft, uh, selecting guys in the draft, free agency, trading away contracts, getting in other assets. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be better next season. How much better? Time will tell. What will land in free agency? Sean Marks is obviously going to remain cryptic because uh, he doesn't want to get any tampering fine and he's not Magic Johnson. Um, but we will see how it goes. Um, it, it will be a, a fascinating offseason and a fascinating seven or eight days. And, uh, the buzz is going to be popping when free agency is, uh, is kicking off.
1: Yeah, we'll be dropping plenty of shows. And obviously there was a quote from uh, Brian Lewis piece for the New York Post that it's going to be a transformational offseason. So obviously something up his sleeve. Like Jack said, we appreciate everybody listening, viewing on YouTube, dropping the questions and comments. Really appreciate it. We'll drop as many shows as we can. Like we said, free agency preview dropping midweek. As always, Jack, a pleasure. Check us out iTunes, Block Talk Radio, dot com Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube.